sound familiar? If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. When a breastfeeding mother's baby becomes jaundice, it often means she will need to supplement or be separated from her baby for a short period of time. How can a mother help her baby get rid of jaundice without compromising her milk supply? I'm Rose Davinia Jakowitz, an international board-certified lactation consultant at the Kaiser Permanente Outpatient Lactation Clinic in San Diego, California. Today, we are discussing breastfeeding the jaundice baby. This is The Boob Group, Episode 56. Breast milk, it does a baby good. Silly daddy, boobs are for babies. I make milk, what's your superpower? If my breastfeeding offends you, put a blanket over your head. Dairy diva, don't be lactose intolerant. Nursing nature's own breast enhancement. Meals on heels. Whoever said there's no use crying over spilled milk, never had to pump. Breast milk, all udders are inferior. Whatever your point of view, we're here to support your breastfeeding goals. We're the boob group, because mothers know breast. Welcome to The Boob Group, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. The Boob Group is your weekly online, on-the-go support group for all things related to breastfeeding. I'm your host, Robin Kaplan. I'm also an international board-certified lactation consultant and owner of the San Diego Breastfeeding Center. Thanks to all of our loyal listeners who have joined The Boob Group Club. Our members get all of our archived episodes, bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts. Subscribe to our monthly newsletter for a chance to win a membership to our club each month. Another way for you to stay connected is by downloading our free app, available in the Android and iTunes marketplaces. Today we are joined by two panelists, one in the studio and one over the phone. So Stephanie, will you please introduce yourself? My name is Stephanie. I am 22. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I have one 11-week-old little boy. And what's his name? His name is Micah. Micah. All right. Fantastic. And Heather, will you please introduce yourself? My name is Heather. I am 26 years old, and I have a seven-and-a-half-month daughter named Lily, and I am a stay-at-home mom. And Heather, where are you joining us from? Um, Illinois, sorry. Awesome. Thanks for joining us over the phone. That's awesome. <coughs> Sounds familiar. <coughs> if your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. 
Before we get started with today's topic, here's Lara Adello talking about ways to overcome societal booby traps. Hi, Boob Group listeners. I'm Lara Adello, a certified lactation educator, volunteer at Best for Babes, and author of The Virtual Breastfeeding Culture. I'm here to answer some of your most common questions about how you can achieve your personal breastfeeding goals without being undermined by cultural and institutional booby traps, such as what to do when your child care provider is not supportive of breastfeeding. Child care support for breastfeeding isn't talked about as much as the other breastfeeding issues, but a recent incident in Toronto brought to light about how much of a factor it is in mom's ability to sustain breastfeeding. A recent study from the CDC examined the relationship between child care provider support for breastfeeding and mother's breastfeeding duration. It found that breastfeeding at six months was significantly associated with child care provider support to feed expressed breast milk and allow mothers to breastfeed at the childcare place before or after work. Compared to mothers who reported fewer than three total supports, mothers who reported five supports were three times as likely to be breastfeeding at six months. Our findings suggest that childcare providers' breastfeeding support in the early months may help mothers maintain breastfeeding for longer durations. And it's compelling enough that the Surgeon General, in her call to action to support breastfeeding, makes the recommendation quote, ensure that all child care providers accommodate the needs of breastfeeding mothers and infants, end quote. The CDC also found that only six of the 50 states have child care regulations requiring the centers, quote, encourage and support breastfeeding and feeding of breast milk by making arrangements for mothers to feed their children comfortably on site, end quote. Just six. Now, it's almost certainly the case that many child care providers support nursing moms on their own without being required to by the state but doesn't the absence of regulation say something about the lack of recognition of this as an issue? We think that is a booby trap. A special thank you to Tanya Lieberman, IBCLC, for writing the Booby Trap series for Best for Babes. Visit bestforbabes.org for more great information about how to meet your personal breastfeeding goals, and check out my book, The Virtual Breastfeeding Culture, for a collection of breastfeeding stories. And be sure to listen to The Boo Group for fantastic conversations about breastfeeding and breastfeeding support. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Well, today on the Boob Group, we're discussing breastfeeding the jaundice baby. Our returning expert, Rose Devigne Jakowitz, has been an international board certified lactation consultant since 1984 and works at the outpatient clinic, outpatient lactation clinic at Kaiser Permanente in San Diego, California. Thanks so much for joining, Rose, and welcome back to the show. I am glad to be here. So, Rose, what is jaundice? Jaundice. Most people, when they think of jaundice, they think of hepatitis C or hepatitis in general when their skin gets yellow. Well, what we're talking about is jaundice in the newborn, and it's still a yellowness of the skin. Um, and without getting into the deep medical terms, basically it is a buildup in the blood of bilirubin, which is the breakdown of red blood cells. And newborns have more red blood cells 
uh, than adults do at birth because before birth, it's the placenta that's kind of breaking down all the blood cells. And when the baby's born, they kind of have to do it on their own. And so there's these fetal blood cells that have to break down and be eliminated from the body. Newborns become jaundice in the first few days because the enzyme in the liver may be immature and doesn't process or break down these red blood cells as rapidly. And um, there's different types of jaundice, but uh, that's basically what jaundice is. <laughs> okay, fantastic. And, and what causes a baby to become jaundice? Overall, there's different types of jaundice, which have different uh, causes. Physiologic jaundice, which is your normal most babies, 80% of babies maybe, will get a little bit of jaundice. It's that breakdown of those red blood cells. Um, that's physiologic jaundice. Pathologic jaundice is something where maybe the baby, um, there's an ABO incompatibility. Your blood type differs. Um, if there's illness, if there's an unusual reason for jaundice that is due to a medical illness, that's pathologic jaundice. There's also a couple other things that related to my field in lactation is there's what we called breast feeding jaundice with the emphasis on feeding. A baby that's not feeding enough, therefore he is not getting enough calories in and the baby's not peeing or pooping and so that can cause elevated jaundice. Then the other one is uh, breast milk jaundice where the emphasis is on the milk and they really don't know exactly what it is, but usually it's after 10 days, babies stay jaundice and they think there's something in the milk that causes the baby to be jaundice. But those babies are growing and thriving and active and doing great, so it's usually not an issue. And they may stay jaundice for weeks, maybe even a couple months when it's breast milk jaundice. Okay, and you had mentioned some of the symptoms we have, the yellowness to the skin. Um, what are some other symptoms of jaundice and how is it tested to see what those levels are? Um, some of the other symptoms of jaundice, first of all, it's the color. Babies will look more yellow. They It starts at the head and goes down, so uh, they may see yellowness in the eyes. As the jaundice levels increase, the jaundice level goes down. So it starts in the head and then it goes to the chest and then it may go down to the extremities. Whereas when you get rid of jaundice, it's, it's the reverse. It's less in the legs and the chest and the last to go is the, the face and the, and the eyes. Um, other symptoms of jaundice, if we see a jaundice baby, what I see in, in is typically they can become very sleepy. Jaundice babies don't want to feed very well, which then potentially decreases how much milk they take in and so, which makes them more jaundice. It's kind of like a vicious cycle. They get a little jaundice, they don't feed well. Um, and uh, certain situations can cause more jaundice, like a baby born at, uh, early, a stressful birth. Um, <coughs> mothers who have uh, diabetes, and like I mentioned earlier, the blood incompatibility. If you're O and baby's A, um, and again, symptoms are the yellowness of the skin and the eyes. Testing is done several ways. Um, in the hospital, they have what they call a transcutaneous uh, device that they just kind of put it on the baby's head and they can kind of read it. Um, that's fairly, uh, it's fairly good for mild jaundice. However, it doesn't tell what the, the serum jaundice levels are, which, which requires a blood test. And as moms, I can remember my second one having to take her to the lab to get her yeah. blood drawn. And, Out of her foot, and, right? Uh, actually, no, back then, she's 30 right now, <laughs> um, they did a venous. Mm. They drew it from the vein. 
And oh, which are so hard to find on little ones. Yes. That's and miserable. <laughs> and I was one of those moms that said, okay, you get one try. You, <laughs> might, as, you might as well get the supervisor because, you know, I, d- I just was an anxious mom. <laughs> but uh, so they can use the cramps transcutaneous monitor or more often than not it is a um, heel poke to see what the serum levels are. Okay and is there a time frame when a baby can or will become jaundice? Physiologic jaundice occurs in the first few days you know maybe up to a week Um, whereas breast milk jaundice can occur uh, it can be an exaggerated physiologic jaundice where it continues after 10 days but if it's the normal physiologic jaundice, it usually resolves in a few days. Uh, jaundice that doesn't can last a week or longer. Okay. Um, so I'd love to open this up to our panelists now. So, Stephanie, um, when did you or your pediatrician first notice that your son was jaundice? Uh, I think it was the second day in the hospital. Okay. And how did they notice? It was a blood test. I wasn't actually there when they came and um, told us because I was having my own complications. Okay. But... Uh, I think it was a blood test. Okay. And how about you, Heather? Um, same thing. We were in the hospital still with her. She was, I think it was her second day, and they brought her back from her hearing test and said that they had tested for jaundice and um, that she had, it was just really mild, so they were just going to monitor it while we were there. Okay. And Rose, when parents find out that it's, okay, my baby has jaundice, and so what are typically the ways that are recommended to get rid of this jaundice? One of the first ways for breastfeeding moms is nurse, 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 and then nurse some more. Yeah. Because you get rid of jaundice in three ways, through the urine, through poop, and through skin. And so the more the baby nurses, the more they can pee and poop, the more you're going to get rid of it. Ver- uh, conversely, with baby that's real sleepy and doesn't nurse, they don't pee and poop as much, which can cause a reabsorption of the billy. So the first thing that we do when we see jaundice is nurse, 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 nurse. And if the baby is a poor nurser, then we might even have mom start using a breast pump to stimulate her milk supply and feed that colostrum to the baby if needed. Okay. Uh, Stephanie, how did your baby end up going under lights, or did you need to supplement him? Uh, he went under lights. I didn't need to supplement. Uh, oh, okay. The uh, hospital I was at had this, it's a, it's a baby-friendly hospital, so they had a, a newer technology where I could nurse while he was under the lights. It was really cool they were like fiber optic lights and it was just in this like it looked like a heating pad type oh, thing cool did like, it attach to him no I, I could just hold it up against him i could <laughs> have him against my skin and then it right behind him um and it was it was really cool because i could hold him i could do skin to skin contact i could nurse as often as i wanted and as often as i needed and like she said everyone was telling me put him on the breast as much as possible it'll help get rid of it and so he's under the lights less that's terrific so no separation between the two of you while he was what getting those billy lights exactly and that was really important to me and obviously being at a breast friendly, at a baby friendly hospital it was important to them too very cool how about you heather what was your experience like it took her a while to have her levels elevate to the point that she would need a bilirubinite. Um, and she actually, we ended up getting readmitted to the hospital about 24 hours after we were discharged um, from delivery. And um, because her, her levels had gone from a 12 to a 17, um, basically overnight. And so they wanted to start treating it. And she was really, really, really lethargic. Um, and she wouldn't nurse. I mean, we were we had to wake her up and make her eat. And even then she was just, I mean, she'd be at breast for a couple minutes and then she'd be out. And we, we did everything we could to keep her awake. Um, and so she was under the billy ribbon light for about 12 hours, I think. And then her levels had started going down. But we ended up staying in the hospital because she had lost like 17% of her birth weight in three days. Wow. And uh, yeah. And so it was 
kind of scary for a while. Absolutely. It's so hard when, I, you know, I obviously give the recommendation as well, like nurse as much as you can. But I've seen many babies like the ones you're describing with your own daughter, Heather, where you try everything you can. You're putting washcloths on them and you're yeah. pumping their arms like a bicycle and rubbing yeah. their back and they're just wearing a diaper. And they are just so, so tired that they're, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's impossible to keep them awake. And yeah. so... That, that can be very, very scary, absolutely. Um, Rose, can you talk a little bit, I, I was planning on talking about it a little bit later, but since Heather mentioned it, um, what, you know, what are the levels? We talk about, you know, what their, what their bilirubin level is, and I, I know that it correlates with how old the baby is, how high we're, you know, comfortable letting it go, but is there, what, what are we looking for with these levels? And it's very individualized from babies to baby, but like a... Um, and you can actually Google this. The American Academy of Pediatrics has online where you can see it's a um, scale based on gestational age and day of age. So like a oh, cool. 12 for a four or five day old baby is probably no big deal or just mild, but a 12 for a premature baby is very, very different. So, and part of it too is how is the baby doing? I've seen uh, jaundice babies that it's been a 12, you know, or a 13, and it's kind of by the uh, Academy of Pediatrics guidelines, it's kind of intermediate or mild, but the baby is so sleepy that if we don't intervene to help the baby at this point. It's going to go downhill fast. It's going to go downhill fast. It's going to go within 24 hours. It can climb very high, and then the baby may have to go back in the hospital, and that's really, really tough for new moms to have a baby go home from the hospital and then be told you got to go back to the hospital. The rehospitalizations are usually short, but that, that doesn't matter. The baby's in the hospital and mom's at home. Absolutely. It's so scary. Um, okay, well, when we come back, Rose will be discussing how a breastfeeding mother can protect her milk supply when her baby is jaundiced, since sometimes it's a little bit hard for them to really stimulate that milk supply the way that we need them to. So we'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, welcome back. Today we're talking about breastfeeding the jaundice baby with Rose Davini Jackowitz. And so, Rose, what should a breastfeeding mom do if the pediatrician is recommending that she supplement and she really, really wants to breastfeed? Well, the first thing is clarify with the pediatrician what they mean by supplement. Most moms, when I use the term supplement, they're almost in tears because they automatically assume supplement means formula. So, and most of the time, these babies, if we're catching it early, supplement means they just need more breast milk. Okay, now sometimes if the levels are high enough and mom's full milk supply has not come in, she may need to use a formula. But the first thing would be to clarify. Um, I had a mom not too long ago, the baby's jaundice was like almost 21, but she actually had quite a bit of milk. So we were able to pump and supplement the baby with her breast milk. Um, usually when it gets that high, it is not uncommon for the pediatrician to recommend, you know, formula. Um, formula has a tendency to reduce 
the jaundice, sometimes up to 20 uh, to 50% within a 24-hour period, especially if it's breast milk-related jaundice and the levels are really high. But uh, again, um, if you have to supplement with formula based on the, the baby's condition or the jaundice levels, then I would recommend that moms use a hospital-grade breast pump to pump to stimulate the milk supply. Because again, we want the breast to think the baby's nursing great, and therefore her full milk, full milk supply comes in in volume with in the same time that the baby would normally be nursing. And what happens if the jaundice level gets too high? If the jaundice levels gets too high, um, you mean from a baby standpoint? Um, there is something, and I don't know that maybe I've seen it once in 30 years, thank goodness, but jaundice levels that get way high, and after 20 is when they really get, doctors get anxious. If it gets 20, 21, and up and higher, there is the potential that it could go into the brain and develop what we call kernicterus, which can cause some kind of brain damage which is why your pediatrician might be a little anxious about getting the jaundice treated because he wants to prevent that at all costs, which we do too. So high levels of jaundice can be very dangerous. So that's why they do check the babies early. And if they do have jaundice, we'll check them often until they see that those levels have uh, stopped rising and are starting to go down. Yeah, maybe even tests where they're checking the the heel stick and stuff like that Absolutely. once a day even. Or Absolutely. One, it could be yeah. once a day, um, maybe twice a day if they're hospitalized because they want to make sure those levels are going down. Okay. Stephanie, how how often was your baby being checked? Were they just doing the sub-Q? On no, their- uh, he was in the hospital um, because he also had another complication that kept him in the hospital. So he was there and he was getting blood draws twice a day. And I'm pretty wow. sure most of them were also being tested for the jaundice as well as the other. Okay. How about you, Heather? How often was your baby being checked? Um, when we were in the hospital, it was twice a day. And then when we got discharged and readmitted again, it was like two two or three times a day usually. And then did you have to follow up once she was um, released from the hospital? Did you have to follow up for a couple days? Yes, we did. Um, actually, when we were first discharged from the hospital, we had to follow up. That's how they found out her levels had risen. And then when we got discharged a second time, we had to follow up with our pediatrician um, for the next, I think, three days. Okay. And Rose, after as a baby's being tested and they're checking their levels, is there a typical amount of supplementation that um, that a mother should use as she's trying to bring down her baby's jaundice levels? This will depend on how alert and how well the baby nurses versus how sleepy. Um, some of the babies that are, like the one panelist said, so sleepy you did everything, you couldn't wake her up uh, or him up. And uh, so those babies are going to require most likely a full feeding. And depending on the age, that could be an ounce to two to three ounces depending on the age of the baby. Now some babies that are still latching and um, feeding fairly well but maybe tiring quickly, an option is to supplement them while they're nursing at the breast using a supplemental type system. Uh, But if they can't nurse and get enough at the breast, they may require a bottle to supplement. And again, it's going to vary from half an ounce to two to three ounces. Depending on the age of Depending the baby, on the, a- absolutely. size of the baby, and how how severe it is. Absolutely. Okay, um, Stephanie, how w- did you have to do any supplementation, or he yeah. w- he was able to bring it down all on his own? Yeah, especially I mean, with that technology that we had, he was just at the breast almost constantly. Um, so that was 
That helped a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that that is awesome because your baby was awake enough that he would go to the breast. He he fell asleep a lot. He was very sleepy, but he was also only two days old. So yeah, ab- I'm not sure absolutely. how much of that was normal. Yeah, yeah it true. is very normal. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> absolutely. Heather, how about you? Um, d- how much supplement were, you, were did you have to give any? We did have to give some, and because she wouldn't latch onto me, like by the time we got readmitted to the hospital, she wouldn't latch at all. Yeah. Um, all she would do was suck on my finger. So we actually like tube fed her with, with my finger and my cool. husband would stick a tube in. Um, and I pumped what I could, which at that time we were only three and four days postpartum. So I was only getting a quarter ounce to a half ounce at a time. And so then we had to make that up. So like by a half ounce, I had to give her an ounce and a half of formula then, um, because the doctor wanted her eating two ounces, um, you know, to help fight the jaundice, jaundice and also to help fight the significant weight loss that she had had. And so we were, we were doing that. And then after we, well, yeah, after we um, would feed her, then I would pump as much as I could. Again, usually quarter ounce to a half ounce. And then, you know, hour and a half later, we would start the process all over again. Yeah. I appreciate that your, that your care, your healthcare provider actually gave you a very nice rationale of why you were giving so much for a baby that was that age. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of, um, sometimes we, we don't understand that this, the amount that the baby's getting is, is probably a lot more than she would have been taking from you had she had just been breastfeeding. But because of that significant weight loss and getting rid of the jaundice, that the amount that she was getting was, you know, Risen, it, it was a little bit higher than maybe she would have gotten if, yeah. if breastfeeding had been going well. Well, I have to say that wasn't that wasn't the pediatrician. He was kind of hard to work with as far as breastfeeding went. But we had an amazing nurse and an amazing lactation consultant cool. who really came in and supported us. So that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Um, Rose, when can a mom stop supplementing, and how can she transfer from this supplementation back to exclusive breastfeeding? As the jaundice goes down, moms notice babies are much more awake and alert, and they feed better. As they feed better, we gradually decrease the supplement, and that's one of the benefits of working with a lactation consultant is you can do pre and post weights. If you do a pre and post weight and see, wow, he took in a good amount, that's a feeding he doesn't need to supplement. If the next feeding he doesn't nurse as well, then he may need a little bit. So it's a gradual uh, decrease of supplementation as the baby's feeding better. And uh, many times that supplementation at that point, if mom is using a breast pump, is breast milk. And so if it's formula to begin with, then as her milk supply increases in volume, we switch it over. Some moms are under the impression that it's the the formula that treats it. No, it's the milk in general, the feeding that treats it. It's not that breast milk is better than formula. Uh, I mean, we know that breast milk is Mm -hmm. better than formula, but it's not that formula is better. Um, it's just that sometimes the quantity. the quantity is the key. Absolutely. Okay. Um, and Stephanie, since you didn't have to do any supplementation, did you notice that your nursing sessions got easier and easier as he became less yellow? Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> How long did he have to stay under the lights? Um, I think it was 48 hours, um, okay. but they were being generous because he was already in the hospital anyways. So um, they just wanted to be extra generous. Did you have to, you didn't have to bring any of it home then? No. Okay. Did you end up doing po- pre and post weights with a lactation consultant after you went home to make sure that he was um, still he, on the right track? He went. Uh, he already was at and above birth weight by the time we were out of the hospital, so we didn't need to see any outside lactation consultants. You're at that absolutely point. correct. That and is great. <laughs> the other thing that I'm finding too, as far as the treatment of jaundice, more physicians, pediatricians are supportive of home phototherapy. 
So if the levels aren't too high that require hospitalizations, but high enough that they require treatment, um, many will recommend, and the insurance most likely covers home phototherapy so your baby gets to stay at home with you. Yeah. How about you, Heather? Um, how long did you have to supplement for before you were able to go back to breastfeeding? Um, well, we got discharged from the hospital a second, the second time um, on a Wednesday, and then we were still supplementing. And then the following morning, she actually initiated her first feeding that she had ever initiated That's in her awesome. life. Um, <laughs> that, was a week, that was a week postpartum, exactly a week old she did that. She started eating more and eating more often and initiating everything, so we weren't having to make her eat every three hours. Um, I would give her some a little bit throughout the day, um, and then that following Saturday, we followed up with our lactation consultant, and um, I fed her there for 10 minutes, and in that 10 minutes, she transferred an ounce, um, and so we were told that, you know, in 10 minutes for, a, you know, a week-old baby to transfer an ounce, it's really good. Yeah, um, So uh, we were told we could take her off the the formula and we haven't had any sense so no that's awesome <laughs> that is great and I think what great. yes and what you notice is as jaundice levels went down she became more awake and she started waking up asking for yep. feedings and that was the key yep Heather did you continue pumping for a little bit longer to kind of keep up your supply or did you find that she was able to kind of maintain it on her own well um I, I pumped for I think a couple months after that so I could build up uh, a stash in my freezer and to help with the supply and everything. But after she was a couple months old, I stopped worrying about it, and um, we were able, to, I mean, I was confident in her, and I think she could feel that maybe in me a little bit too, and um, she just nursed like a champ, and she still does, and I mean, it's, it's been pretty great. That's awesome. Um, and then I would love to ask Stephanie and, and Heather one other question, just if, you know, speaking to moms who are going through this kind of jaundice experience, which can be very scary when you're told that there's something going on with your child, <laughs> um, especially right after, you know, he or she's just been born. Do you have any tips or things that you felt were very helpful to help you kind of get past that and, and move on to where you guys are doing now with exclusively breastfeeding? I just just put them to breast as often as possible is all that I did was, yeah, <laughs> It's just like you guys were saying, the more he gets in, the faster he can process it. The more he poops, the more it gets out. And that's, that's exactly what I did. Awesome. How about you, Heather? Um, well, for me, because I, I had to bring my, my supply in with my pump. Um, and the lactation consultant and the nurse who were really helpful um, were great about educating me and also my husband. Um, because he was my support system when we got home. And... Um, so he was supportive, and after we would feed her the two ounces through finger feeding, I had to, I had to pump then. Um, and what I found was really helpful for me to be able to get more is he actually held our daughter while sitting right next to me while I was pumping, and I was able to pump more um, probably because I was releasing all my hormones. Definitely. <laughs> but um, that was what really helped me, um, helped me do that. And then just having that support there, I mean, I guess just find as much support as you possibly can who's going to people who are going to be there for you and, and work with you through that. I think you, you hit on a couple things. Heather is when a baby is jaundiced and the levels start going down, so many new moms are so nervous that they may continue to supplement, um, especially if formula was started because they what I hear often is, I want to make sure she doesn't get jaundice again. That's one of the benefits of working with a trained lactation consultant to work with you and identify that the baby is feeding well so that you can see, based on pre and post weights, the baby's feeding well. And once the jaundice level goes down, rarely does it ever go back up again. Yeah, I don't rarely. think I've ever seen that actually. You know, 
So uh, just to be able to reassure new moms that this isn't going to happen again, um, that's the benefit of working with a lactation consultant. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Rose, for your insight into breastfeeding the jaundice baby and to our panelists as well for sharing their experience. Um, and for our Boob Group Club members, our conversation will continue after the end of the show as Rose will discuss which babies are at a higher risk for having jaundice. For more information about our Boob Group Club, please visit our website at theboobgroup.com. So here's a question from one of our listeners. This is from Heather Nichols, and this is what she wrote to us. I hope that you can help me with this. I have tried and tried since the beginning to get a good latch with my son. He is now five weeks old, and I'm still trying, although I'm not quite sure if it's even doable at this point. He will latch for a moment, but it's really short. He seems very excited at first and then gets really frustrated and stops. And I know that there is milk readily available because I can see it. I think the problem is the shape of my nipple. It's very flat and I have tried ice, massage, nipple shields, etc. to get my nipple to stand at attention and nothing seems to work. Right now I am pumping, but my milk doesn't seem to flow very well with the pump as it does when my baby latches. So I'm trying Fenugreek to help with that. I am becoming very frustrated and outright sad because I can't seem to get this. Please help. Well, Heather, thank you so much for your question. I really appreciate you writing. And I can understand why you must be so absolutely frustrated with this whole process. Um, first and foremost, when I read this, the first thing that came to mind was it's definitely worth your time to look for an International Board Certified Lactation Consultant in your community to help assess this situation more fully. Um, not being able to see your baby in person, I really can only give general advice, um, but it definitely won't solve every issue, I would imagine. Um, so the first thing I would recommend is having an international board certified lactation consultant assess your son for a tongue tie. While some babies have difficulties latching on when a mom has flat nipples, this often can be remedied with the nipple shield. And if your son is having a challenging time creating an effective suction with the nipple shield, it could actually be caused by a tongue tie, which limits a baby's range of motion and suck effectiveness. Um, it is also possible that your little guy has figured out that if he fusses enough, he'll receive a bottle, which will totally satisfy him. And of course, the main goal is to feed the baby. So sometimes bottles, and in the case of supplementation, are really helpful if the baby's having a challenging time at breast. However, babies are incredibly smart and often figure out how to hold out for the bottle, making it very frustrating for mom. So depending on if he does have a tongue tie or if he's just holding out for the bottle, will definitely determine what would be the best course of action. Um, so again, I can't highly recommend enough seeing an international board certified lactation consultant for this situation, as there are many reasons why this may be occurring, which she would really help you get to the bottom of. Um, my advice is only that this IBCLC should be looking for um, the tongue tie during this um, feeding time with your baby, especially since I can't give accurate advice without having seen you and your baby. But I hope that this is somewhat helpful. Um, we do have an episode called Breastfeeding and Tight Frenula, and it would definitely be worth it to take a look at to see if the symptoms that are described in this episode are accurately describing your son as well. So I hope that's helpful. Thanks so much. Well, this wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to The Boob Group. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals, for expecting parents, and our show, Parent Savers, for moms and dads with newborns, infants, and toddlers. Coming up next week, we have Lara Adello from Mama Pear Designs discussing social media connections for the breastfeeding mom. Thanks for listening to The Boob Group, your judgment-free breastfeeding resource. This has been a new Mommy Media Production. 
The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.